Last several weeks, you've been hearing about Pastor Nopum from Myanmar, uh, one of our ministry partners, and uh, I need to tell you one more thing about him. This next Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to be having a gathering, and I hope that you can make it for that, where we're going to hear more about his ministry. We're going to learn more about the boarding homes, how our church is getting involved in helping with that ministry, how we're going to be helping him with training leaders. I'm super excited about it, and I hope that you guys can join in for that. There'll be some lunch provided, and um, it'll be a great time. Pastor Nopum is, for me, a tremendous inspiration. He is a model for me as a Christian of what it looks like to stand strong in your faith in Christ no matter what comes at you. I think that's the best way that I can describe Pastor Nopum. The guy has a lot against him. It's very difficult to be a Christian in Myanmar. It's very difficult to do ministry there. He is so rare being a man who is from up north in Chin State, a Christian man from this tribal region, going down to the south, down to the capital, down to a place where he's despised for the tribe that he came from to begin with, because everyone can tell just by looking. He has the look of the tribe, by the way that he speaks. And then he's a Christian, which makes him even lower on the totem pole than that. And he just launched himself into ministry in that incredibly difficult place, and he stayed at it for over 25 years. And there's tremendous fruit because of it. But a lot of it is the tenacity. A lot of it is just the strength to stand, no matter what comes your way. And so when I find brothers like that, I want to get around them, and I want to say, how does that work for you? you know, what does that look like in your life? This morning, we're going to Colossians, so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers have been waiting patiently, and they will bring you a Bible, and you can open up to the book of Colossians this morning. So this morning, if you want to stand strong in your faith in Christ, there's four things that you must do to stand strong in your faith in Christ. You must pray. You must learn. You must connect. And you must give thanks. These are absolutes. These four things you have to do to stand strong in your faith in Christ. We're going to look at those four things. But before we do, I need to ask you an important question. Do you want to stand strong? in your faith in Christ? Do you? Thank you for that. Do you want to? And what are you willing to do to stand strong? There's one thing to want to stand strong, and it's another thing to engage in the things that you need to do to stand strong in your faith in Christ. The book of Colossians, from beginning to end, is really about how to stand strong in your faith in Christ no matter what comes your way. I want to pick up the story in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 21 through 23. We're going to move into chapter 2, but I want to start here. Chapter 1, verse 21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds... 
he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's the gospel in a nutshell right there. You're reconciled to God. Jesus has done for you what you could not do for yourself. He's made peace between you and God. He's paid the debt for our sin. All of that, that's the headline. That's the gospel. But look at the next verse. It says in verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation and under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. After that declaration of the gospel comes the word if. I view that word with some suspicion. I look at that word with trepidation. It sort of kind of like jolts me to my senses. If, he says. If indeed you continue in the faith, notice, stable and steadfast and not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Stable, steadfast, not shifting. Maybe that's another way of saying standing, like standing strong in your faith in the gospel. From beginning to end, Colossians is about this theme. Let me show you that. Go to the end of Colossians in chapter 4. You're going to find out that the entire book of Colossians is interconnected. At the end of Colossians, he's talking about Epaphras, who was the guy who first brought the message of the gospel to them. And he says this in 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you might stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. What's Epaphras praying about? What's he struggling about? What's he concerned about? That they might stand. Fully mature, assured, confident in their faith. That's the goal. A few years ago, I was on a fly fishing trip with some friends from the church. We floated down the Deschutes River. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I've never floated down the Deschutes before. And I was actually learning how to fly fish, which was amazing. Had all the equipment. I'm out there, you know, doing my thing. And an amazing thing happened. I hooked up with a massive steelhead, and I was so unprepared for this that it literally yanked me over into the rocks, and I fell down, and I smashed my knee. And after that, it was very difficult to stand in the river. Now, what I just told you is a fib. <laughs> I told the story differently in the first service, and a fly fisherman came up to me and said, that's not the way a fly fisherman would have told that story. <laughs> he said, I believe, this is true with a straight face, I believe that God has given us fishermen the liberty to exaggerate. <laughs> and he said, this is how you need to tell the story. And I, what I said, that's what he said. That's what I would have said, right? Here's what really happened. <laughs> I got out there, and I'm learning to fly fish, 
and I'm standing in the current, and in the Deschutes River, there's a lot of rocks, and a lot of them are really rounded. And I'm standing on the rounded rocks, and the current is going sideways, and I have a bum knee. And so, unbeknownst to me, standing in the current with the current going like this and on this rock, my knee did not have the lateral strength to really maintain itself. And I started getting more and more and more unstable in the river. And the next thing you know, I'm falling over. It was purely embarrassing. Now, if I had caught a huge steelhead, all would have been forgiven. It would have been amazing. But I didn't. All I did was go out there and fall down like an idiot. So I came home with a goal. I went to the gym. And I'm like, I need help. I got to do something here. And it's like, well, do all these exercises. It'll be amazing. Do this, this, and this. And it'll strengthen all those little muscles around your knee, and you'll get stability, and you'll have the strength to stand. And so I started doing these exercises, and lo and behold, amazing. I began to gain the strength to stand. So I had the goal. You know, I don't want to fall down. I, what's the goal? The goal is to have the strength to stand. Okay, but wait. What are you willing to do about that? Are you willing to, to put in any effort? You're willing to work at that? Because it's not going to happen automatically. What about in your Christian faith? Brothers and sisters, this is not going to happen automatically. For you to have the strength to stand is going to require something of us. Let me read down a little bit further in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 28. It says, him we proclaim, and that's Jesus. We pro proclaim Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, God's energy, that he powerfully works in me. I want you to notice two things. I want you to notice the word maturity and the word toil. Okay, those two things, those go hand in hand. You know, the word maturity is just another way to express having the strength to stand. That's what maturity looks like in life. Pastor Eric and I, we had a little debate about the word maturity. And Eric told me, he goes, you know, I, I'm not really sure that's the best word that we should be using. Because he said, you know, a lot of young people, if you use the word mature, it sounds like an accusation, like, you're so immature, you need to grow up. And so he's like, maybe we need to, like, find a different word to express the same idea. And I said, well, Eric, I'm not so certain about that. Because the Bible uses that word over and over and over again. And I'm happy to report that Eric called me yesterday, and he said, I'm fully on board with the word mature. Because <laughs> he's teaching tonight. He's doing the same message tonight. And he's reading it, and he's going, I have to use the word mature. I have to. It's in the text. It's in the Bible. Not only that, it's actually the goal. It's the goal. It's always the goal. In fact, I can show you that if you go to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. It's a parallel passage. Look at Ephesians 4 and verse 13. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, craftiness, and schemes. Okay, so what is it if you're tossed to and fro by the waves? What is it if you're caught in the current and you can't stand? You know, that's not the maturity that he's looking for. He says, but rather speak the truth in love and grow up into Christ. So maturity, strength, standing, that's the goal. As a parent, you delight when the baby rolls over. So awesome. It's so exciting when the baby begins to crawl. Look at that. Crawling across the floor. It's so cool. And you're terrified when they stand and begin to walk. Right? Because they stand up and they have that giant head and that little body and those tiny feet. They're like... And there's the end of the table, and that's where they're going, you know, right there. Because they do not have the strength to stand. They got a big head. They got a mind that's capable of writing the plays of Shakespeare, you hope. But they can't walk. They just stumble around. And that's not maturity. There's a lot of Christian believers that have a big head. They got a head stuffed with knowledge. They've been sitting in church. They know all kinds of information, but they actually don't necessarily have the strength to stand, to be solid. And that's the goal. Why does Paul say this? Why does he say what he says? Take a look at the next verse in chapter 2 of Colossians, in verse 1. He says, So, nope, I'm in Philippians. Colossians 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Why does Paul tell them that this is the thing that is massively on his heart? This is the thing that troubles him. This is what he's working at. This is the goal of his ministry that they might become firm and stable. And if we read on, we'll find a couple more words. Take a look at verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See the words piled on? You see that in verse 7? Rooted and built up and established it's like Colossians is a catalog of words and themes and images about standing strong. Now, as you've received the Lord, so walk in him. 
And I'm saying you need to stand, and he's saying you need to walk. Yeah, but it's, it's hard to walk when you're rooted, right? He says walk rooted. The emphasis is on this, is on being strong, being secure, being stable. That's the emphasis. Why does Paul share that? He shares his own heart. He says, this is the thing that keeps me up at night. It's the thing that I pray about. This is the thing that we're working for. Why does he do that? And the answer is simple. It's because he wants the Colossians to adopt the same goal, the same purpose. He wants them to see the significance of this, the importance of this as much as he does, and to work at it as hard as he does. That's the reason why. Let me tell you something. As a pastor... My heart is broken when I see Christians who get taken out. And I see it all the time. They get knocked over. They get knocked down. They, they can't stand strong in their faith. Maybe you feel the currents like flowing against you right now as a Christian man or a Christian woman. Maybe it's just the stress of life. Do you have any stress in your life? feel like the stress is rising or, or going down in life. Maybe it's because you got hit sideways by something you didn't see coming. Maybe there's a loss in your life, a disappointment, a business failure, a relationship that blew up, a friend that turned against you. The list goes on, doesn't it? Or maybe it's just because there's actually people that will come against you as a Christian. It seems that in our culture, there's more and more people these days who are vocal about the fact that they don't like Christians. And they have arguments. And they sort of dismantle your Christian faith for you. So there's all these things that are just sort of coming your way. They're coming at you in Christ. And I've seen far too many people that actually begin to stumble and fall. And it breaks my heart to see that as a pastor. So I can really re relate to what Paul is saying here. You know, we had a retreat for our lead team. And our lead team means our pastoral staff and Dave Andrews, who's our operations director at the church. We went away for an overnighter last Tuesday night. And we opened our Bibles and we started to read Colossians. And basically what we read is exactly what I'm reading to you today. And we made a pledge. And this was our pledge. We said, we're going to work really, really hard at building strength of faith into the Christian community. That's what we're going to work at. We're going to labor at that as best we can. We're going to give our all to it. And we prayed for you guys. We prayed for strength. We prayed for each other. We prayed that we might stand strong in the faith. Okay, so maturity and toil. Those two things really go together. So what do we need to do to stand strong in Christ? There are four things that we have to do, minimal, to stand strong in Christ. And we're going to look at those four things real quickly. And you can use them as sort of a checklist for your life. Now, some of you... You're going to go through all four of them, and you're going to say, I'm doing pretty good on all four of these, and that's awesome, because that's an indication of strength in your Christian life. 
Some of you are going to do great in one or two of them, and maybe not so much in a couple of the others. And you know what that is? It's an indication of a weakness in your Christian faith and life. So you can use these things as a way to sort of evaluate where am I. The best time to evaluate is before the storm hits, before the crisis comes. Begin to build strength. Four things you must do. And the first thing is this. You must pray. Pray with earnest, Christ-centered prayer. Pray. Now, Epaphras, it said in chapter 4 and verse 12, he says he struggles for you in his prayers. He's struggling, struggling, struggling for you in his prayers. That you might stand mature in the will of God. It's interesting that the word struggle goes with prayer. A lot of us, you know, we don't want the word struggle with prayer. It doesn't sound right. We think, well, prayer should just be me and Jesus just talking, and there shouldn't be any struggle to it. But Epaphras struggled in his prayers. He was growing in his prayer. He was groaning in his prayers. He was seeking earnestly that God would strengthen their lives. Why do you think Paul says that to them? I think he says it not just so they'll know. Epaphras is struggling in prayer. But he's sort of calling them into this. What about you? Will you pray earnestly? Will you pray not just for comfort, but also for strength? Let me put it like that. Take a look back in Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 2. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged. Their hearts might be encouraged. Now, some translations will translate that phrase that their hearts might be comforted instead of encouraged. And other translations will translate that their hearts might be strengthened. The reason why is because the Greek word parakaleo is a word that has broad meaning. You have to look at the context to derive the meaning. So in some places it means comfort. Comfort somebody who's hurting. In some cases it means just encourage people. And in some cases it means to strengthen them, that they might be strengthened. I believe the best translation in this context is strength. Why do I believe that? Because of everything I just read to you. You go all the way back to verse 23 where he says that you might be stable and solid and unwavering. Later he says, I'm with you and I see your order and the steadfastness of your faith. Epaphras is praying that you might be strong and stable and mature in your faith. Everything about Colossians is about strength. And so I want to translate that word. Paul says, I'm so concerned that you might be strong in your heart. I want you to think for a minute about the difference between comfort and strength. What's the difference between comfort and strength? When you're hurting, you need comfort. And thank the Lord, there's so much comfort in the Bible. There's comfort in Scripture. There's comfort in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Beautiful. When you're hurting, you need comfort. 
But comfort will not make you stand strong. Comfort might get you through a crisis. When I think of comfort, I think of an emotion. You know, I think, well, I'm really hurting. My heart is hurting and I need, I need God to give me peace or joy or comfort. Or I want him to change the way I feel, you know. But there's something beyond comfort. There's something beyond praying about how I feel. There's something beyond even praying that God would change the circumstances. Lord, fix this. Lord, heal that. There's another kind of praying, and that is a praying for strength of heart, for strength from the inside out. Paul was an expert at that kind of prayer. You know, he prayed it all the, all the time. We have an example of that kind of prayer right in Colossians. Go back to chapter 1. Look at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, that you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience with joy. Paul was an expert at this kind of praying. Now, I went to the gym and I got exercises to do for my knee. I did not like these exercises. They made me very uncomfortable. They actually pointed out my weakness to me, which I didn't like, you know. There's like a child over there doing the same exercise, you know, better than me. I'm like, I don't like that. That sucks. God comfort me. <laughs> but what do you want to do? How are you going to stand and work on this? This kind of praying, praying not just for comfort or just for a solution to a problem, but praying for strength is a model of the kind of prayer that we need to be doing in our lives. I would recommend to you this. Take Colossians chapter 1, begin in verse 9, and read through that prayer. Read through it often. Pray that prayer. Pray it for yourself. Pray it for your brothers and sisters. Pray it for the pastors and the leaders of this church. Pray that prayer. Struggle in prayer for that thing. You know, sometimes when we pray, when we start to pray, it, it might be easy, but it's, it's kind of hard to stay at it sometimes. We have an elders retreat where we go away once a year, and we dedicate ourselves to praying for everyone in the congregation by name, and we have people fill out those prayer cards, and we'll take with us hundreds of prayer cards. And our pastors and elders will pray over each one of those prayer cards. We'll take, you know, hours and do this. And when we come back together and we gather together, we'll share, like, not specific requests so much. It's like, what was your experience in doing that? And so often the response is, that was really hard. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. Because, for one thing, we fielded so many needs. It's like a snapshot of the currents that are flowing through people's lives. They can just take them out, and we're just praying about those things. 
And it, it can be a struggle to do that. Epaphras struggled in prayer for them. But there's something else we find, and that is that sometimes people will make requests. And, you know, they, a lot of the requests are just about needs, like a healing or a relationship or things like that. And that's awesome. We want to pray for those things. And occasionally there's that prayer card where someone will pr- say, pray that I'll grow in my faith. Pray that I'll be stronger, that I'll stand stronger for Christ in the workplace. Pray that I'll be mature. Things like that. I wonder if someone were to ask you and, and say, how can I pray for you? I wonder if you would immediately go to a need in your life, that need, a thing that needs a solution, or if you might also go to the place of, you know, pray for strength inner strength. Pray for a transformation from the inside out. Pray for the strength to stand no matter what happens. Okay? That's the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. Okay, so we have to pray. We need to pray that kind of prayer in order to stand strong. Prayer is number one. Learn is number two. Learn through solid Christ-centered teaching. And so he says in verse 2 of chapter 2 that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, or which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now there's something you learn about the book of Colossians, and that is also from beginning to end, Paul is teaching them the fullness of gospel truth. The fullness of gospel truth. Because he said in chapter 1 that the gospel is bearing fruit. Anytime the gospel is truly understood, he says in chapter 1, since the day you understood the grace of God in truth, it's bearing fruit. It's strengthening you. It's increasing. Something's happening. There's a direct connect between your understanding of the truth of the gospel and the reality of Jesus Christ and the strength of your life. That's why in this difficult situation in the city of Colossae, he presents these magnificent truths of Christ. We looked at two weeks ago, the Christ hymn, which is this condensed presentation of the truth of Christ. And Paul is just teaching, teaching, teaching the truth of Christ. Didn't he say in Colossians 1, in verse 28, Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. That's what I work at. Struggling in prayer, Epaphras and Paul. Struggling in teaching and presenting the truth of who Jesus really is. Why? That you might be mature, which is another way of saying standing strong, that you might be mature. So you have to learn through solid Christ-centered teaching. But here's the catch. You are going to be presented in life with all kinds of teachings which are not solid Christ-centered teachings. They proliferate. They're everywhere. There are challenges 
to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of Christ, everywhere around us. And that's why Paul says what he says in verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4 of Colossians. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Paul knows what's going on. He knows there's other people who are standing up and saying, oh, no, I have a, a better truth than that. Persuasive speech. Now, these guys are good. They're saying, no, that's not exactly the gospel. That's not exactly the way it is. Let me, let me here, come over here and let me tell you the inside information that you need to know. You will be presented with counterfeit gospels, with distortions of who Christ is, with outright denials of a Christian worldview constantly. So you have to be careful what you listen to because the only way you can stand strong is to learn through solid, Christ-centered teaching. And you have to learn to discern between the difference of those two things. Several years ago, about 10 years ago, there was a book that came out that was called The Secret. Maybe some of you, I think it was a movie too, it was called The Secret. It was a great big, you know, 20 million copies sold. And The Secret was about a principle that is called the law of attraction. And basically the law of attraction is that you can bend the universe to your will. This is not a Christian teaching. <laughs> you can bend the universe to your will through the law of attraction. Sold 20 million copies. They made it into a movie. This is what people want to hear in the culture. This kind of stuff. So it's out there everywhere in every conceivable form, right? You can get the MP3, you can get the book, you can see it on YouTube, you can go see the movie. <laughs> it's like everywhere. The scary thing is that oftentimes those same kinds of teachings just come into the church and they're just slightly repackaged. Some of the largest churches in the United States of America, what they teach sounds strangely like the secret. Strangely like the secret. One very popular teacher from a Christian church will say things like this. God wants to bless you, but before that blessing can come, you have to envision it in your mind because what you envision in your mind is the blessing that you're going to get. So you have to begin envisioning the prosperity that you want. Envision the life that you want. And then God will respond to what you envision in your mind. And that's the way the gospel works. Now, here's what's weird about it, is it sounds a lot like the secret, you know? I mean, it sounds like the same stuff. With the veneer of Jesus on top, and it can be very persuasive, it can be very well packaged. You need to be careful. I'm going to tell you something. Okay, this is a pastoral moment. This is my heart as a pastor. And all of our pastors at our church. We work really hard. We talked about this at our retreat. We work really hard, and we're going to continue to work as hard as we possibly can to strengthen you in faith by teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what? I love it. I love watching our pastors. I watch Pastor Adam labor 
at the Word. Labor at the Scriptures, getting into the Word and praying about it and coming and giving His all to strengthen you in the truth of Christ. Pastor Christopher, I love him. He's an excitable guy. When is he going to preach the Word? He comes to me with the Bible passage. He's in my office. He says, oh, I have the best idea. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to teach you about this. And I go, that's amazing. Do it. The next day he comes back. I've changed my mind. I'm going to teach you about this. I'm like, that's amazing. Do it. <laughs> By the end of the week, he has 15 sermons, all of them true. And I got blessed by all of them. And I'm like, Christopher, pick one. Pick one and do it on Sunday. But let me tell you something. Here's someone who loves you and is praying and is reading the word and is seeking God. I see Mary Ann labor in the word and in prayer for the women in the women's ministry, for her teaching. I see Jeff and Derek in, in the high school group do the same thing. I go in there, I'm just blown away. I go, I can't believe it. These kids, it's so rich, the truth they're getting. <laughs> Pastor Mike and his ministry to men, I just see it and I'm so thankful. And I guess I want you to appreciate it as well because I can tell you something. You know, I've had people who will come to me and they'll say, hey, uh, who's preaching this Sunday? You know, it's that question. Who's up this Sunday? And of course, I never tell. But really, you know what my response is? I can tell you who's preaching this Sunday. It's somebody who's been on their knees, who has prayed, who has labored over Scripture for probably at least 20 hours on your behalf. And they love you. And that is worth more than any person you could hear on the internet or doing, you know, go and hear the celebrity. It doesn't matter. That's the riches of it. Okay, so pray, learn through good, Christ-centered, solid teaching. Number three, connect in loving, Christ-centered community. What did Paul say in Colossians 2, in verse 2? That their hearts may be strengthened. What about this phrase? Being knit together in love. Knit together in love. This is an absolute of standing strong in Christ. Connecting in loving Christian community. You know why? Because you cannot stand strong alone. You cannot do it. It's impossible. Now, you know, when I was a kid, my dad and my stepmom, they started this company called St. John Knits. And they knit. That's what they did. They made women's dresses. And as a little guy, I grew up with balls of yarn. Okay, yarn everywhere. Yarn in the living room, you know. They'd take me to work. They'd stick me in the yarn room. They'd go sort colors, okay. Uh, so I was around yarn and knitting. And uh, I can tell you something about yarn. I can tell you a lot about yarn. One thing I can tell you is that you have a strand of yarn that's not very strong by itself. Just isn't. They can just flop around. But they had these amazing machines. And they just hook up this yarn, all these floppy pieces of yarn, and feed it into this machine. And you know, 
first it was by hand, back and forth and back and forth. And this thing would come out, this tapestry, this interwoven garment would come out. And later it was automated machines that would do it. And this fabric would come out. And you know what? That fabric was relatively strong compared to the individual strand of yarn. This is what it means to be knit together in love. That it's, you know what it is? It's another picture of strength. Your heart's being strengthened, being knit together in love. Because you cannot stand strong by yourself. You cannot do it. It's impossible. So this is on our inventory. Let's look at it. Prayer, earnest prayer. Prayer not just for needs, but for strength. Prayer not just for yourself, but for others. Learning through solid, Christ-centered, biblical teaching. Connection in the body of Christ. Loving, connected community. And now you have to look at all these factors because the storm is coming. The current is swirling. So what about this one? When we gather on Sunday morning, we're together and it's a beautiful thing, but there isn't as much strength in this gathering as there is in the smaller gathering where we can actually get to know someone and have them know us. And can I tell you something? Some people are like, well, why should I do that? Well, I'll give you a couple of reasons. For one, because you need help. You need help in your Christian life. But the other thing is, is because somebody needs your help. It's really pretty simple. Somebody needs your help in your Christian life. You can't do this alone. You have to be connected. That's the only way that this can work. The Apostle Paul, is, he's, he's just beside himself. Please, please, please do this. One of the reasons why when we go to a place like Rwanda, we go to the same community over and over and over again, year after year after year, is because we build relationships and we get to know each other and we have a commitment to each other and we feel stronger because of it. Pastor Nopum, why did I bring him here? I brought him here for one reason. It's because I wanted you to meet him, have a relationship with him. We're going to go back year after year after year to Pastor Nopum and build a relationship with him. And you know, here's the amazing thing is, not only will it strengthen him, it'll strengthen us. Because we'll be knit together. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And there's strength in it. Last thing, you have to give thanks. You have to give thanks as an act of faith in Christ. And so take a look at it in Colossians 2, in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, bounding with thanksgiving, gratitude. You need to give thanks. It's part of standing strong. It's a response to the gospel. It's a response to everything that we've been looking at. It's a response to the truth of who Christ is, to the truth of what Christ has done, to the grand idea that he actually has a purpose for your life in this world, to the fact that he gives us the gift of the body of Christ. All of these things, when you take them all together, 
how can you not respond to that but just say, thank you, Lord? Thank you so much for that, Lord. You know what? Gratitude is one of the greatest indications of strength in the Christian life. If I find a Christian who is ungrateful, they just, they just don't have gratitude in their life, I can tell you one thing about their life for sure. I can tell you that they probably don't have a lot of strength to stand in their life. Practice gratitude as an act of faith. It is part of the strength. Now, here's an interesting thing about the book of Colossians. It's four chapters. Gratitude is the main theme. It appears like six times at every crucial moment in the book. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Remember in chapter one, the prayer, he prays and for them to be strengthened and everything. And he says, for patience and endurance with gratitude. Here he says, stand in Christ, walk in Christ, rooted and grounded with gratitude. Later in chapter 4, he'll say, and pray. Watch and pray with gratitude. It's like it's always interjected, and it's not like a little sugar on top. It's kind of like he's saying this is at the heart of everything. Here's an inventory. How are we doing? Earnest prayer. Christ-centered gospel teaching. Connection in loving community and gratitude. That's the goal. We're going to work on that. Now, our pastoral team made a commitment. We said, we're going to give our all to this. And I'm telling you today, because I'm going to ask you, join us in this. Join us. Let's see what Jesus can do.